0: you living on the side of victory Watching the blood of Calvary The power of hell cannot hinder me I'm living on the victory side Thank you, Lord, we love you I thank you, Lord Oh, Lord, God, we
1: pray Blessed be your name, Jesus. We worship your mighty God Blessed We want your, name, your holy God. touch, my Lord Your mighty hand Your good presence in this place today, my Father Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, Holy Lord. Great name of Jesus. Thank you, dear God. If you have a Bible this morning. I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10. Glad for each and every one of you this morning that are here. And we certainly want to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Let the great word of God touch your heart. Romans chapter 10. Let's begin with verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. That the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee and even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Everybody said praise the Lord. Lord. All right. I want to preach for a little while this morning on your help is here. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The reference that was given to us here in the book of Romans, let me make it clear that the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all your shadows and types, all of your previews of things that were to come. And as it's written in the Bible that it, quote unquote, it came to pass. Well, that means it actually happened. So, in other words, things were foretold, things were foreshown, previewed, and then those things actually did take place. They happened. And that's when you come to this beautiful New Testament. The Old Testament was just that. It was an old will. And it was referred to also as the law. Nothing wrong with it, really, except for the fact possibly that um, It was the letter of the law, and it killed. It made man aware of his sin. You did it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're saying it wrong, so on and so forth. But it left a shortness there, a falling short, and uh, it had righteousness contained in it, no doubt about that, but it fell short. And when you come to the New Testament, then you begin to step away, if you please, from the blueprints, and you begin to get into the actual building of things themselves. Everywhere Jesus went in the days of his flesh, he was fulfilling something in the Old Testament. Things that told about him, things that foretold he was coming to begin with, and then things that he was appointed unto him in the days of his flesh, that they were to be done. And so when you Look at Deuteronomy in chapter 30 let me read to you For this commandment which I command thee this day it is not hidden it is not hidden from thee neither is it far off it is not in heaven that thou shouldest say who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh, that means very near unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. And of course, Moses went on to say, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. What we have need of is not far away. What you have need of is not far away. Now, it is declared uh, in the Bible, and Solomon was the one, and in his praying, talking to God and even offering sacrifices, he said, the heavens of the heavens cannot contain thee. God is everywhere. He knows everything and he knows everybody. He knows you by name. And though he, the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him, he is teaching here in his word that he is not a God that is a far off, shall I say, only But he's set up a system and a plan, and he's made it clear he's very near to you. You can become discouraged in life and feel that your answer is too far away, or uh, you can feel like it's too high for you to reach, too high to jump, and that it's too far beneath you that you can't get down to where it's at, down at some low place that you can't reach to. But the Bible is teaching you quite the opposite. The Bible is telling you that this salvation, in other words, this that everybody has need of, it's telling you it's right here. It's right now. It is not something that is unattainable. It is not something beyond your ability to grasp mentally, shall we say. It is not something that is out of your reach because it's in some high place or some low place, some great extremes. He's trying to tell you plainly in the Word of God that He's right here, right now. He wants you to have faith in that. It's called the Word of Faith. It's no longer a letter of the law that signifies death to us that it wakes us up to that I'm doing wrong and I've been doing wrong and and I'm in a mess here. That that sin is a killer. Well, we're awake to that. We know that. We know we've done it wrong. We know that the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we understand that. We're convinced of that. Uh, We don't need to beat that dead horse to death. We're uh, any further to death, if you please. We don't, we don't need to go beyond here with that. We don't need that driven into us anymore, I don't think. But what we do need to get in our hearts is what the Apostle Paul found himself in the book of Acts, chapter 17. And this is what it said. He comes to a certain city, just like this, and in coming to that city, he goes to a certain place where they seem to gather together and they did a lot of talking, and they exchanged ideas. And the ladies really liked it because people gathered there either to hear or to tell some new thing. And uh, sorry, ladies, but uh, the apostle Paul gathered in there, and he looked around, and they had all these different things that they set store by, or that they put a lot of uh, their feelings into and their their beliefs into. And uh, the Apostle Paul looked around. He's looking at all these weird ideas of God. People had all these different ideas. You know, the book of Acts tells you that there was a meteor, uh, a burnout star that fell, a piece of it anyway, from the heavens, of course, from space, and landed. And so they begin to worship it. They begin to say, oh, this is our God. Reminds you of them in the book of Exodus, how that God had, with a mighty hand, And great authority and power had brought the people out of Egypt, only to have them turn right around in a little downtime moment when they were camped and things weren't going forward right then. And it was a testing time for them. If they would remember, even in their short-term memory, hey, God just took us out of Egypt. He just delivered us from Pharaoh, the devil, and the world, and all of its influences and the bondage, the slavery that we're in. And now we've got a few moments to ourselves, and poof, they forget that God did it. And they get with Aaron. They get with somebody who was showing a little unfortunate weakness in the eyes of the people, and they over, uh, overpowered him, if you please. They, they pressured him. And so he uh, got them together, and they uh, decided to make a golden calf and said, These be our gods. This is what brought us out. Well, that didn't make God very happy. That made him pretty angry. After all, God was the one that did it. But they're standing there saying, no, this did it. In in direct opposition to truth and to what was right. And so God uh, told told, uh, Moses, he said, well, I'm just going to have to take care of them. And of course, Moses began to intercede and began to pray for the people that God wouldn't wipe them out in their ignorance. And and it was their ignorance of, of the facts and the truth of what God had actually just done, had defeated all the false gods of Egypt. All the things that the Egyptians looked to and taught, they were fake and they were phony and they were man's imagination. And here comes the great eternal spirit of the everlasting living God and defeats all of their gods and shows them to be nothing. And yet his own people that he has delivered now, they... Get to messing around and get into their imaginations, and they come up with a silly little thing called a golden calf. Well, I'm trying to tell you, man has always been inspired to do the wrong thing and set big store. People will watch television and they will uh, get all caught up in things and start acting like it's reality. I've told you before about the downtown in New York City where a woman was coming out of a, uh, a big store like Henry Bendel or Lord & Taylor or someplace. And coming out of there, she was standing waiting for a cab, and a woman walked up to her and recognized her as a soap opera actress and slapped her across the face and said, that's for doing so-and-so to so-and-so. So out of touch with reality, so filled with all of the soap opera, people put you know project themselves into the the falseness of life that is projected by the enemy through many different inventions and they begin these begin to be their gods these begin to be what they worship this is what they begin to to look to and they begin to think that these things are real and they substitute reality it's like the two children that were in the car and it was pouring down rain just like it was here Friday night after the rally pouring down rain and the two little kids' nose are pressed up against the the window of the car and they're looking at their dad and he's changing the tire out there in the rain because they'd had a flat and so they looked at him and they said dad he looks up from the doing the tire and they said just change the channel People get programmed. Their minds. You wonder why there's so many murders. Because they've watched thousands of murders. Why there's so much violence. Because they've watched hours upon hours upon hours of violence. Minds being programmed to the the sin and the falseness and the fake and phoniness of life. And calling may may not say it verbally. But their minds are saying, this is what I'm looking to. This is what I'm trusting in. This is what moves me. This is what excites me. This is what is motivating me to do the things that I do. And these be their gods. This is their favorite this and their favorite that. And and they idolize this and they idolize that one. And that gets a hold of people's minds from a very early age and follows them all the way up through life. And I'm trying to tell you that that's not ever going to be able to give you the help that your soul has need of. It only something to distract you away and place you in your mind feeling that I can never attain and I can never reach that which I have need of. Well, first, let's learn what we have need of. It's like we often say, let's keep the main thing, the main thing, but you first got to learn what the main thing is. You've got to learn to recognize it, to identify it, and to realize in your mind and your heart and soul that Jesus is what I need. I need the reality that He has brought to planet Earth, the Earth that He created, the people that He created, and we've got a world Full of people who are living in some kind of fake alternate so-called reality. And they're going through the motions. You know the Bible called it the motions of sin. As sin is moving. Sin is working. But that I want you to know that if you'll recognize that. And that it's a detriment. That it's harmful to you. And wake up to the help that is not far from you. Paul looked at all these falseness in this place. And he said, listen, I happen to spot an inscription here in something you set up in a monument. And it says, to the unknown God. He says, to him, him I declare unto you. I want to talk to you about what you don't know. And I want to get your heart wakened up to it. I want you to know that he's not a God that's afar off. He's a God that you can feel after him right now. He's not afar off. He's a God that's nigh, very nigh. Unto you, very close to you. In his preaching and teaching, he said, and hath made, this is Acts chapter 17, verse 26, and hath made of one blood all nations. He's made from one blood all nations. This is for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl every country, every island, every continent, every dialect or language. This is for everybody. We've all come from the one God, and he's made us all from one blood. And it said here, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined that times before, the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation... That they should seek the Lord. This is what we should do. This is positive direction. That they, we should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him. You know, you just might plug in. You get up here at this altar or anywhere in the service and you begin to lift your heart with your hands, a sign of surrenderment to God and of worship to God you might just get very pleasantly surprised that you feel after him and you get a response. He is not a God that is afar off. His, his word, the book said, it's right here. It's wanting to be in your mind and be in your mouth. And that's why Romans went on to say that if you believe in your heart, that's not the pump down here, that's your spiritual heart, it's your thoughts, it's your intellect, It's your emotions. If you will feel after him and you'll find out that he's not far from you, then you can begin to believe that in your heart Then he's going to come in through the power of his spirit giving you the gift of the Holy Ghost and you will begin to confess Him with your mouth because He's filling you with the Holy Ghost and He's going to speak through you as His Spirit gives you the ability to speak in another language or another tongue. Hear me when I tell you that's the word of faith. You're, I believe the word. I believe the word. Well, let the word be believed in your heart to the point that you're feeling after Him and you acknowledge that He is not a God that is far off only. That he does fill the heavens of the heavens, but that he is right here and right now, and he wants to deal with you in this service right now. He wants to do that. So it's telling you that you should seek the Lord to get. What should I do? Isn't that what they said in Acts chapter two when when Jesus gave Peter the word in his mouth to preach to the people, and the people hearing the preaching they said what shall we do and then the Lord gave Peter the words to say repent that's what you should do you should seek the Lord and you seek him by repenting you tell him I'm sorry I I realize and I acknowledge that I have sinned and I have fallen short of your glory and that you alone are God I repent O Lord before thee and as you repent then you are to seek the Lord by being baptized in water, in His name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And when we bury you, you're buried with Christ, the writer taught. The teachings to the church, and that's what Romans to Revelation is. It's teaching people... Now that you've been baptized in Jesus' name, here's why. Because it's not only for remission of sins, but you are being buried with Him. This is a gospel. It is good news. It's not sad news and bad news. It's not false news. It's not fake and it's not phony. It's glad tidings that He died on the cross and and He died for sin. And you can die for repentance too your sin you can cut it off and stop it and not be doing that stuff anymore with his help and he's not far from helping you he's right here you just need to start saying Lord I want your help and I'm feeling after you I've gathered together in this sanctuary I've come into this service I didn't come here to daydream I didn't come here to catch a cat nap and I'll try to keep my voice loud enough that you won't be able to sleep and uh, and uh, uh, I didn't come here to clip my fingernails, Lord, or catch up on balancing my checkbook. I didn't come here for. The, boy, I heard clen- pens just and Go, go away. Did I just hear that? Okay. I didn't come here for those things, Lord. I didn't come here to to just let my mind wander and wonder if I'm going to get something done later or, or maybe I left something at home that I should have done I'm not thinking about the lawn because the rain is raining and the grass is growing I'm not thinking about these things Lord I'm not thinking about that they're chopping up my driveway because they're bringing in some new pipes. I'm not thinking about that Lord I'm in church I've gathered together I've come out of that darkness out there to get into the light and I've come to seek you to feel after you knowing that you're not far from me you're not far from me. Right. Church isn't uh, to be some little, you know, playhouse or some little den of thieves. Not supposed to be that. It's not supposed to be, uh, and it isn't here, a place where we come to hear or tell some new thing. Not where we come together to gossip. Not where we come together to to try to um, do something that is completely opposite what the Scripture is teaching. We've come here, this is His body, His church. We've come here to worship Him. We've come here with, uh, to be led into a, a place and a, an a experience that we can have what He has promised to us. And He has promised to you, everybody said me. He has promised to you this gift of eternal life. Peter was inspired by the Lord to tell them to repent and to tell them to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he said, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be. Uh, what did it say in Psalmist? He said, "Deep calleth unto deep." When you get into the depth of your mind, and you're not in the top inner uh, top surface of things uh, that you're uh, superficial, you get past that and you dig down deep and you of your heart and you call unto God from the depths of the inside of your mind, your feeling, your emotions. Then you're going to hear deep call back to you. He's going to answer. He's not a God that's afar off. He is not sleeping. He's not on vacation. He does not do these things. He that keepeth thee doth not slumber, the book said. He's Right here. Right now. You don't have to be thinking, oh, well, do I need to go way over yonder? Do I need to climb some high mountain? You know, they showed one time a little, cute little thing and showed the mountain, the proverbial mountain, you know, and and up at the top, uh, you know, the answer to your question, all your, answer, all your questions answered type thing. And they had the, all the people showing them in a big long line and climbing up the mountain trying to get to the top. And, uh, and on the other side of the mountain, they showed the guy with the long beard, you know, is supposed to be the guy with the answers, stepping into the elevator. He shoot, and he had his little thing, you know, out to lunch right now. And he's shooting up the elevator, you know, and he's going to go back to work. And Everybody's climbing up. Let me tell you something. God is not putting you through those kind of exercises. And He's not trying to fool you with uh, words of man. He is bringing to you the word of faith. He's bringing to you that if you will have faith, if you will believe. What did He tell people over and over? Only believe. People take that and that means they all have to say, I believe. That's not what the Scripture is teaching you here. He said you've got to uh, obey my word and you've got to observe to do it. And so if you say, I believe in repentance, then you need to do it. If you believe in water baptism in Jesus' name, then you need to do it. If you believe in receiving the Holy Ghost like Peter, James, and John, and Mary, the mother of that flesh, and the other devout women did, then you need to do it. You need to observe it. That's what believing is all about. It's not a passive thing. It's not you just saying, oh, yeah, I believe. That's not it. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. One man said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to get it in gear. Help me to get motivated. You know, I've had people tell me lots of times throughout the years that I've been here that uh, I'm coming to church, I'm coming to church, I'm coming to church, and they can't never get their mind in gear and motivate themselves to come on out, to overcome the unbelief and the distractions and these be thy gods. Where are they at? They're at their football god on Sunday. Or they're at something else on another day. They're chasing these other things that they're putting their worship and making idols out of these things. You should not want to give your worship to another. You need to tell yourself like that woman that brought the alabaster boxes this is for nobody else but Jesus. I'm bringing this to Jesus. There was opposition. There were people who made fun. There were people who said, you're crazy. There are people who said, you're wasting the money of that alabaster box and that precious oil. But for that purpose, that was what that was for. And she knew that's what that was. For and the day had come. It's just like the donkey that was waiting at the at the hitching post. And Jesus said, "Go and there'll be the donkey. Go bring it for me." And they that donkey was there, never ridden before, and they brought it unbroken to Jesus and Jesus rode that donkey right down the middle of town let me tell you there are things in the book that are appointed for a day and a time and a moment and you need to tell yourself there's an appointment in your life an appointment for you to get the word of God of faith in your heart in your mind and start feeling after him because the help you need is not far off here's an individual that the scripture teaches uh well, he's, you know, going about his day and he's feeling pretty good about himself, and he's got his religion. He's got his little things that he feels comfortable about, feels a little self-righteous about. And so he, he sees Jesus, and he decides to, you know, throw his hat into the ring. So he says, uh, hey, he said, uh, good master. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, he said, "Uh, what do the commandments say? And he said, well, you know, it says to do this and to do this and to do that and do the other. And Jesus said, uh, the young man said, well, I've been doing that ever since I was young. In other words, I was raised up to obey the scriptures. I've heard lots of scriptures and, and I believe those scriptures. And so, Jesus, the Bible said that Jesus beheld this individual and that he felt a great emotion, a great love towards this individual. And he told him, he said, you're not far. Now, he could have just as well said, I'm not far from you. He said, you're not far from this, from eternal life, from what you're asking. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from what it is that you're saying you're interested in and that you're inquiring about. And he said, I'll tell you, there's some things you need to do. Now, how many times will you tell people when they say, "Uh, well, well, how do you get saved? And you'll tell them to repent. You'll tell them to get baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. And you'll tell them that God gave them the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they just do just like that young man. They turn and they walk away sorrowful because there's so many other things in life that they've given their heart to. So many other things that they're interested in. So many other things that they're, they're uh, interacting with. So many channels to change and see something else and involve my mind into something else. But Jesus said, you're not far. How, why get so close? Only to turn around from it. What is it that turns people back? What is it? Is it commitment? How are you? Have you got a phobia or a fear of commitment? I'm afraid if I give myself to Jesus in that church, that I, I'm I'm just not going to be able to do thus and so anymore, and I'm not going to be able to go here anymore, and I'm not going to be able to. Be, well, I'm not. I'm going to burst your, your bubble for you, uh, or maybe I I'm not going to burst it for you. Either way, but I am going to tell you, you're right it is going to cost you and they're going to but you don't understand something it's like people when they say they make you try to make you feel like your arm is being twisted behind your back to get you to go in the direction you're doing it's not that way and i'm trying to tell you people go away sorrowful and that's right they go away sorrowful people that stay with jesus and step to Jesus and make up that not too far. I'm feeling after you. I'm reaching out for you. I'm not going to find myself in uh, not far. Not far is too far. I want to get closer. What did it say about the disciples when Jesus was praying that he was just a stone's cast away from them. Well, somebody said stone cast is just too far. I don't know how far you can throw a stone, and I think it depends on the weight of that, but the point is that's too far. We don't want to be a stone's cast away from him. We want to be in his presence. We want to be in the shadow of his cross and his glory. We want to be right there, right with him. Amen. We want want it to be very near to us. The Bible tells you, gives you a little axiom. It gives you a a formula, a rule of thumb. It tells you that if you will draw nigh or near, and remember it said the word of faith is very near to you. It said if you'll draw near to God, then he will draw near to you. So as you're closing the gap here, you're closing the gap, You you don't want to be even a little far from Jesus. You don't want to be a stone's throw away from Jesus. You don't want to find yourself pronounced as you're not far. In other words, you know, far may be a little more, but you're still not where you need to be. Let me encourage you to come a little closer to Jesus. You know, it said that when the little children came around, that Jesus took them up in his arms and he blessed them. And, of course, there were people that were disciples that began to try to shoo the children away and leave him alone and don't get so close to him. And he's a busy person. Let me tell you, he Jesus took care of that kind of thinking right away. He said, you suffer or you tolerate. You allow the children to come near to me. I don't want people, children or otherwise, far from me. I want the people to come in. A woman comes and touches him, healed completely of the problem this, the the affliction in her body and had it for 12 long years. And, And Jesus stops and says, Who touched me? And Peter said, Who touched you? He said, Everybody's all thronged around you here. What do you mean, who touched you? He said, No, somebody touched me. Somebody got closer than just not far from me. Somebody actually broke through the ranks here and the virtue of God went right out of me. I felt the move of the Spirit going right on right then. And the woman shrank back when she realized that Jesus in his flesh discovered who she was and thought, I'm in trouble. Now you're not in trouble. Hands in the air calling on him. Now you don't look funny. Jumping up and down and letting yourself yield to the wind of God, that Russian mighty wind that comes from heaven with a holy sound to fill you with His Spirit, to put in your believing heart the gift of eternal life and to speak through you and declare it. To extol Him, to praise Him. That's what takes place. He knows better how to praise than you do. He sends His Spirit into your heart crying, Abba, which means Father. He gives you an experience that it's not your will being done, it's His will being done. But you finally got your will to where it began to coincide, shall we say, fit right into God's will. You quit fighting, you quit resisting, you quit making excuses, procrastinations, the putting off, that's where the the foolish Uh, in in Matthew 25 messed up because it was kind of like one day I'm coming I'm coming I'm going to come out to the church one day I'll come well sometimes you can put off until you put it off and it doesn't happen it doesn't get done I go around my house and I get ready to leave and I know in the back of my mind I'm saying I need to get something and and I'll get it though and I go do something else or the phone rings and, and that something went right out of my mind and I'll get up the road and say oh man I can't believe I left that. It's only my wallet with my license in it, but you know. And I'm only going 80 miles an hour in a 65, so what's the big deal? As I begin to put the brake on, I say, boy, you better behave yourself. You don't even have your license on you," You know, oh, brother. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I mean, life can get so overloaded, and your mind can get so busy and overloaded and sometimes it is things that are necessary and important but that doesn't uh, the, the mind is 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 registering that this is th- something that i've got to do in the course of life but i'm going to tell you you better get your priorities straight you better get it to the top of the priority list and what's first and foremost i got to get near him I've got to get close to Him. I've got to close the gap, the distance here. I've got to catch up to Jesus. I've got to show Him through my my body language, through my worship, through my words, through everything, I've got to show Him and convince Him that I'm not going to turn and go back sorrowful, sorrowful. I'm going to come towards Him. I'm going to say the words that need to be said. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want what I've been wanting anymore. I don't even want to think if I want that anymore. I just want to think about I want you. I want what you're offering. You've got something here for me, and you're not far here. And I'm closing the gap to where you're not even going to be that far from me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get right here because the Bible is telling me that the word of faith—it's not far from me. This whole thing is close to me. He came to planet Earth. God Spirit robed Himself in flesh. The flesh came from Mary. Because he said so. He spoke the word, and that which was conceived in her was of his spoken word, that word of faith. And Mary believed that word. And after the due course of nature, how many months would go by? And Mary said, ain't nothing going on here. Three weeks, four weeks, six weeks. But pretty soon Mary starts showing. And then Mary was like, oh boy, now the fun's going to start. People going to be looking at me all kinds of weird like. Look at here, Joseph's telling me he's going to put me away. He's going to divorce me over this situation hey Lord all I did was get close to you and believe you you spoke the word you, like you said let there be light you said let there be child and here we are Lord and I'm just trying to believe you here what are we going to do about this well first of all I'm going to take care of uh, Adam uh, no that would be Joseph but he did him like he did Adam and that's my point point. and he just said I will have to instruct him only Joseph didn't get a nap Adam did Adam got a nap God put him to sleep said now we'll bring forth a woman Well, in this case, uh, an angel came and spoke to Joseph and said, uh, get with the program, okay, because she's going to bring forth a son and we're going to call his name Jesus, and he's going to save his people from their sins. So you just rip up that paper you've been writing up and let's go to work right now. And so Mary, after the due course of nature, brought forth that flesh. And that flesh began to grow in grace and knowledge. And time came for His showing unto all of Israel. And in His showing unto all of Israel, He began to go about doing good. And Mama was right there at the very first miracle that took place. And I'm quite sure at that wedding feast when they were supposed to have the best out for people to partake of. And they were all out of it. There was nothing left. The The Welch's grape juice was gone. And they had to bring in Brand X, and it wasn't say, tasting very good. And Mary just kind of sidled up next to her son. They have no wine. And he just pulled away a little bit, and he said, so what? What's that to me, woman? And uh, she never even answered him. She just looked at the disciples and said, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Orders are fixing to come through. I've already talked to him, and he knows my thoughts. I've made my request known, and he's well aware that I'm not going to let go of this. And so I'm sure that Jesus, kind of like that widow woman, that the judge said, I might as well go ahead and give her what she wants because she's going to keep on coming back. And I think that Jesus was wise enough to know that uh, when Mary said what she said, that was the end of the story right there. There's no sense in having another 15 hours of hearing the same thing over and over. You know, you need to believe in your prayers. You know, when you ask Him, you need to believe in your prayers. And I'm not against, you know, keeping it current and updated before the Lord, but you need to believe it when you're praying it. You need you need to come up here or in the service anywhere, and you lift your heart with your hands, and you're asking for the gift of the Holy You need to believe it. You need, it's a free gift. Okay? It's not something you got to wrangle out of him. It's not something you got to plead out of him. It's not something you want to try to twist his arm, figuratively speaking. You don't need to do that. You need to ask in faith. Ask in faith. And it's the word of faith that's right there. He said it's in your mouth. The Holy Ghost is there. It's all around you. You just need to yield to that. Not resist that. You need to banish those thoughts. that say, say... Uh, you look funny, or it doesn't sound right, you know. When I got the Holy Ghost, I, I uh, it didn't sound like any language to me. I didn't recognize it. Who said I was supposed to recognize it? Nobody did, but that's the way my mind operated. And I remember uh, going a long time at services, just speaking in tongues, and worshiping God, and shouting and dancing, and on and on, having a great time, feeling good, growing in grace and knowledge, happy, happy, happy. And, uh, but one service, I remember praying and talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'd like to speak in a language that, to me, it sounds like a language. And that night I did. And that night I did. And you know, you just need to ask God.
0: Now somebody said,
1: just name it and claim it. Well, that's not exactly true, because you might name something that's unrighteous. So we need to qualify that. We want want to be asking the right questions so that we can receive the right answers. And we know who we're asking it of. And the Bible said in Luke chapter 11, as your heavenly Father, it said if you ask him for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion or whatever, you know, piece of bread. He's going to give you what you're asking for. He's not going to give you something evil. Okay? And he said, you being a parent, a natural parent, uh, father or mother, grandparent, that your child's going to ask you. I hope they ask you for something that is not detrimental to them. I want to make that clear. So let's just stay with the bread or the egg, okay? And, and uh, you know, because if they ask you for a, a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or, a, you know, a bell, jet bell helicopter, I hope you say no, Okay? But it did say, if you are evil by nature, is what he's talking about, and yet you will give the bread, you will give the necessity of life, shall we call it. You're not trying to give them things that will destroy them and destroy uh, their eternity, if you please. Keep them from ever getting, closing the gap and getting near to Jesus like they need to. But that you're giving them the bread is the word of God. You know, and, and you can look at the egg as the nutriment and a necessity, something, uh, vitamin for them, something nutritious for them. You're trying to give them something good in their lives so you would give that to them. And he said, if you would do that, how much more is your Heavenly Father going to give to Holy Ghost to them that ask him? We know asking for the Holy Ghost is asking for a good thing. And he's not going to withhold any good thing from them that are walking uprightly before Him. Somebody that's saying, I'm going to do it by the book. I'm going to ask it because the Bible tells me to ask for that. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it the way the book teaches. I'm not going to do it man's way. I'm through with going after things in that direction that lead me away from you and make me sorrowful and, and the sorrow of the world that continually works in my life. I'm going to get away from all of that. I'm going to start asking the right questions of the right one bring my request what it say make your request known unto God you don't want to stand there and just you, know, you don't want to do that you want a request of the Lord you know you get to praising God you get to calling on God you get to ask in God you get to believe in God and you're verbalizing that before him, and you don't care about the one over here, the one over there, the one back there. You don't care about any of those things, okay? You've got your mind on what you're doing, and you're like the Apostle Paul. It said that God said of the Apostle Paul, delivering him from the people. I'm not worried about it. I remember fighting a battle when I brought a young man to, to church. Uh, when I, I'd been in the church about two months myself, but I brought this young man and... and uh, And uh, he was sitting on the aisle, and I was just inside of him. And the Holy Ghost fell in the congregation, and people were just worshiping God. Some were running around the building, and others were just dancing and rejoicing and speaking in tongues, and just a marvelous move of God. And um, I wanted to do something so bad, and I could feel it all over me. But this guy is sitting next to me, and he's brand new. And I'm thinking, man, if I do anything, he's going to freak out. And, he, and he, he's never going to come back again. But, you know, it kind of got like Jeremiah says, like fire shut up in my bones. And I, could, I couldn't do it. So finally I just very gently stepped over him. And when I hit the aisle, that was it. Just took off like the Indianapolis 500 right then, man. And the flags were being waved everywhere. And I was ignoring all the flags. I was just worshiping God. And I remember asking the, the young man, a college student, after the service, I asked him, I said, well, tell me something. How did you like it? First time he'd ever been. And I said, how did you like it? He said, well, after all that you've told me, if I'd have seen anything less than what I saw, I'd have been disappointed. Boy, was I glad I stepped out of that pew. I'm glad I did my part to make that a good service for him, that he didn't go away disappointed. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Well, I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to go away here disappointed. Not today or not any day. You just simply need to begin to realize that He is not far from you. That you need to feel after Him. You need to draw close to Him. You need to make the mental, spiritual steps that bring you closer to Him. And as you draw close to Him, the Bible is promising you that He will come close to you. He's not about to run away from you. He is not going to repel you or rebuff you. He wants you to come into the church, the body of Christ. He gave the flesh on the cross and to all the agony that the flesh went through so that you could have the gift of the Holy Ghost, so that you could be baptized in water, buried with Him, and come up out of that water, born again of water and that you could have the heavens opened over you then, and that you could receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, then being born again of the Spirit. And he said, that's what you must do. It is a requirement. It is essential, because the kingdom of God is not natural things. It is not card signing. It is not handshaking. It is not man's ideas. It is not people uh, going through the motions here it is a spiritual experience that he promises to you and the kingdom of God he said is righteousness it is peace and it is joy in the Holy Ghost what it is. In the Holy Ghost. In the Spirit. That sound from heaven. That rushing mighty wind. And you right in the midst of it. You talk about a wind tunnel. And getting in there, man, where you, that that Spirit of the Lord just fills your whole being. And it said, in Him we live and move and have our being. That you begin to really find out what life is. Eternal life. You begin to find out who God really is. And He is Jesus that's his name above every name let's stand together shall we everybody said praise the Lord you got to make up your mind that you don't want to play games with God and that you're not interested in going through the motions any longer and that you don't just want to you know play some kind of game but that you mean business God means business how about you you got to make up, in your mind, I mean business here. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to get this experience. I don't, I, I don't want to just play some kind of game here. I really don't. I want, I, I want to wake up to the fact. One place said, awake to righteousness. Now, the kingdom of God is righteousness. Let me awake to righteousness. Let me have an awakening here, an awareness, raise my awareness factor that you're not far from me. What am I doing standing around with my hands in my pocket? Why am I doing that? Why am I daydreaming? Why am I thinking about something else? Why am I letting my mind be distracted? You're not. Bartimaeus woke up sitting on the, on the wayside. No telling. Blind man sitting right there on the wayside. What's he thinking about? What's his mind on? You know, where's my next meal coming from? Oh, how am I going to get home? Uh, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just sitting down here. And then he hears somebody say something about Jesus had an awakening. Jesus, I've heard about him. He's the miracle worker. He's the one that can change my life for the good. And he began to cry. began to cry out. Jesus! Jesus! blind man, he don't know if Jesus is there or what. But if it wound up, Jesus wasn't far off. He wasn't far from Jesus. You're not far from what you need and not just want, but what you need. And uh, they said, shh! Quiet. Oh, family will tell you to be quiet. Uh-huh. Guys, people on the job tell you to be quiet. Shh, quiet down there. Now, you know, you're getting a little too excited about this. Now You don't want to be a fanatic now, do you? And all kinds of rationalizations and criticisms. And you don't want to get involved with that. All kinds of things will be said. But you know what, Bartimaeus? He just cried, Jesus! Cried the louder. I will not be dissuaded. I, I will not be shushed. I will not be uh, relegated to staying in the same pitiful existence that I've been in. And He cried the more and he cried the louder. He didn't quiet it down. But he got just what he needed from Jesus Christ. And so can you. And Jesus knows that you need to repent. He knows that you need to be baptized in water in his name. And he knows that you need the gift of the Holy Ghost. Eternal life in your heart. Let's take a moment. Lift our hearts with our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now.
0: Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, who is in right here, heaven, hallowed be your yes, he name. Is. Our Father, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name, our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name.